Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Hey, good morning again. It's the 20th of December, hour two of Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and yes, that is my husky, froggy voice. Um, I feel better. I just sound worse. So there you go. Thank you so much for your prayers and your concern. Um, At the end of the last hour, we teed up the idea that maybe this Christmas we could send thank yous. We could lift up thank you prayers. We could send thank you cards. We could send thank you emails. We could express gratitude to God for ministries that have made a real impact, a real difference in our lives. Not necessarily this year. Maybe you'll have to go, you know, maybe you'll have to go back a number of years. Um, And uh, so Anne says, Camp Shamanu in Motley, Minnesota, where I heard the gospel for the first time. Um, David says, my music minister, um, who saw the calling of God on my life at age 12. For me, uh, Young Life would be one of the ministries that's made a huge difference in my life. Others um, here have said Marriage Encounter, Teen Challenge, Navigators, Christian Educators of all kinds. Yes, we're so thankful, aren't we, for the people who have sown the Word of God into our lives and walked with us as disciples on our journey of discipleship. A ministry called Royal Servants, another called True Face. Bill Arnold's Guy Talk, um, and I really appreciated this one. The congregation in Chicago who paid my three years of tuition uh, for seminary. Wow, that is extraordinary. Yeah, that is that is certainly a group of people who made a huge difference um, in the life of one individual and through that one individual, then so many others. So thank you so much. Andrew says, mine is Faith Radio on the Carmen LaBerge Morning Show. I didn't know this existed until this past May. And uh, didn't know that I could still be affected by things. I know um, I'm, I'm 50, Andrew shares. But wow, this year has been very eye-opening. I've learned a lot. Thank you very much. You are my ministry that I want to recognize um, and send prayers to you and those little, yeah, little throat boogers. Yes, thank you, Andrew. <laughs> need to find a new home. Yes, they do. They definitely need to be expelled. Um, Andrew, thank you so much for that. Nancy says, thanks for the prompt. I'm going to contact the youth leader who shared the gospel um, with me. And then um, requests still rolling in for, you know, Christmas miracles. We, we all know, we each and all know someone who needs a Christmas miracle. Um, this is a prayer request that came in this morning. My nephew's daughter, Emma, is 17, and she has micro leaks of CSF. She had a number of surgeries to try to patch them, and she recently had seizures because of the pressure changes in her brain and spinal fluid. They're believers, but she needs a miracle. Father God, we lift up Emma today. We put our hands together. We bow our heads. We come before you in the name of Jesus as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we ask for you to do what only you can do, um, which is give healing by your grace. You are the one who conceived of Emma in her mother's womb, and she is fearfully and wonderfully made, and you know her full well. 
You know the number of her days that you have ordained for her. Um, And so, Father, if it be your good and gracious will, grant healing to her body, we pray. We are in the midst of our Give Hope for Christmas, and today we're going to share a conversation um, that I had with Marlene, who nominated um, who nominated someone for Give Hope for Christmas, and so let's uh, let's celebrate together uh, the way God is pouring forth His hope through this uh, through this ministry. Hello. Marlene, this is Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. How are you? Hi, Carmen. How are you? <laughs> How are you today? I, Carmen, I'm okay. I will not complain about anything. I'm blessed. I well, woke up this morning. Amen. Well, we love that you're such a good friend of Faith Radio. And you nominated some folks for our Give Hope for Christmas. And we wanted to call and tell you that they have been selected to be blessed oh this God. year. Carmen. You you absolutely just made my day. I'm their nana, so I nominated them, my grandbabies, because they've been through so much. Well, they're your grandbabies, but you've also adopted them as yeah. your own. So tell me a little bit, you know, without maybe without saying their names, because you know they are kids. Yes. But yes. tell tell us a tell us a little bit about them and why why they could use some hope this Christmas. Well, you know, they have come a long way. They were born, as I said in the email, as preemies, and the reasons I won't get into, because I'm not the birth mom, but they've just been through so much, and I've had them for close to five years now, and uh, they have grown so, so, so much, and they're just, they're just simple children that I just like to do special things for, because I've learned from them as much as they've learned from me, and they just bring joy to my heart. I am a single grandma who have grown children, but I'm reparenting with these two beautiful children, and they've touched my heart. You're going to make me cry, Carmen. Well, your story is really incredible, and your own spirit of adoption is so dear and sweet here. I know that you gave up working full-time so that you could spend a lot of time with them, and now you've you've returned to full-time work, but that that transition is always hard. Um, Always hard, Carmen. Yeah. It's so hard. Yeah, they were medically complex cases, so they have a lot of medical issues. One being a club foot and the other had a feeding tube for the first two and a half years of her life. Mm. The reason I went part-time was there were surgeries and all of these things that they had to do, and I just couldn't do it working full-time. So the transition has been really tough financially and otherwise just trying to get back in on the full-time, balancing that with school and everything. So... You know what? But God is good, and He is the one that pulled me through all of this. I couldn't do this without the help of the Father. I just couldn't do it. Amen. Marlene, we love you. We're going to be getting the gift card out to you to share as a blessing with those sweet girls. And we just want want to thank you for being a part of the Faith Radio family, and thank you for allowing us to give a little hope this Christmas. I really appreciate it. It's blessed my heart today. My heart is very warm right now. Mine too. Thanks, Marlene. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Don't you just love Marlene? I mean, I just adore her. Um, She listens every day. So good morning, Marlene. I know you're listening right now. Uh, And we want to celebrate the way that God has called each and every person who's listening into ministry. Um, In Marlene's case, right, called her into a ministry of adoption of her own grandchildren. 
Um, God has called you to be an ambassador of his kingdom and to live live the values of the kingdom of God in the midst of the kingdoms of this world. And it, it is hard, and I recognize that. And so thank you for the privilege of coming alongside you and giving some hope to some friends this Christmas. Our friend Bill English is going to join us next. Um, there's a company out there called U.S. Steel. My guess is that's a company name that you're familiar with. Um, and we're it may seem like a strange thing for us to be talking about, but people... Um, People who are going to work today and who have a steel-related job of any kind um, are paying attention to the fact that U.S. Steel has agreed to be sold to a foreign company. So that conversation is up next with Bill English. He's the ideal person to help us understand um, this because um, he has expertise in the area of corporate reorganization and acquisition. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Bill English is here from BibleandBusiness.com. Good morning, Bill. Hey, good morning. How are you doing? Well, you know, I'm a little froggy, but other than that, I'm good. Are you, um, are you feeling f- better than you're sounding? Mm, yeah, probably. I probably feel okay. better than I sound. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, all right. So um, we don't really need to get into all of the dot and tittle of this huge global conversation about U.S. Steel being sold to um, Nippon. Um, which is a Japanese company, what I thought would be helpful is from your perspective and your experience, like frontline workers today in all kinds of industries that are related to U.S. steel and steel workers in particular, can you just talk with us about um, the people affected when a big company makes this kind of transition? Usually uh, it's pretty seamless at the grassroots level. Um if 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 Nippon or uh, how we say them, uh, if if they buy U.S. steel, if the if the you know deal goes through, checks are cut, papers are signed, uh, the average worker and the average job isn't going to really notice anything right away. But <clears throat> over time, Nippon has, I'm sure, a different culture than U.S. steel has, and Nippon is over time going to naturally, I think, less enforced but more um, um, infuse their culture into U.S. steel. And I think some of that culture will start to be felt at the grassroots level. How long does that take? I don't know, probably six months or a year. Mm. And uh, at at some point, though, uh, the U.S. steel workers are going to realize, wait a minute, we work for a Japanese company now that has a different culture, different values, Maybe some of the values overlap with U.S. steel ownership. I don't know. Uh, but certainly they're they're going to start to feel it over time in small ways or maybe in a couple of big ways. But uh, right out of the chute, I don't think they're going to experience anything major. But they're they're concerned like they you can imagine the anxiety that they're feeling, but it's not a done deal yet. I think that's important to recognize as well. Um, and so let's just be praying for everybody involved in this. It's a huge industry, and um, it affects it affects people um, uh, across industries because this is, I mean, it's a big, it's a big deal. Um, turn your phone over right now. Is it an LG? Turn your phone over right now. Is it an LG? Did you know that LG is a family-owned company? Bill, I'll just confess, I didn't know that. Um, 
this conversation Mm -hmm. is about a company based not here in the United States. And so there's a whole different set of um, issues. But I thought it was a good opportunity for us to talk about um, how family-owned companies do need to prepare in advance, well in advance, and revisit their plans for succession. Yeah, that's one of you know, now you're actually in a sweet spot of mine. This is one of the things that uh, I and my partners at the Platinum Group, uh, this is what we do for a living, is uh, family succession planning. Um, I have an article out of out of Bible and Business called "Justice Is Never Enough." Justice is never enough, and I go through a number of local stories that are very similar to this story that you found in the New York Times. For the for for those who wonder. Uh, the story is uh, at the New York Times is called Family Split at LG, a South Korean giant tests corporate succession. And really what what the what the uh, founder did here um, is not unlike what uh, other founders of much smaller businesses do. So the founder's name was Kuban Mu and he dies it's a 10 million dollar lg conglomerate but he wants to give 75% of the estate <clears throat> to his nephew that he adopted as his son so that he could have male heirship he wants to give 75% of the estate to that nephew the daughters and the mom are suing because it isn't fair and they should have uh they they should have more in it uh, there's 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 two sides to this, Carmen, and I and maybe you want to do this these two sides after the break, uh, but I'll just outline them very quickly. The one side is the owner gets to do with with whatever the with what the owner owns. The owner gets to do with that whatever he or she wants. But the other side is you have children who who interpret succession activities in terms of value and love statements. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is something maybe we can talk about after the break. I love that idea. All right, we're talking with Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. Do you place um, do you place particular values like like love and worth uh, upon the conversations that you're having about whatever kind of succession is going on in your family? Um, any any conversations about how the assets of that are that are under the stewardship of the current living generation are going to be distributed to the generations after them. Um, th- all of that is relevant in this conversation, and so Bill English is going to help us understand that. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Feelings, nothing more than feelings. I mean, seriously, if all we had was nothing more than feelings, we would just be lost in a sea of mush. Hello, friend. Uh, I'm sure you have noticed by now that feelings are a terrible barometer of the truth. Our feelings are affected by the weather, world events, what we ate last night, whether or not someone we like or love texted or tagged us in a social post, how badly someone else sings. Yeah. mm -hmm. So if you're feeling lonely right now, I want you to ask yourself, am I really ever truly alone? Of course not. As a follower of Christ, Jesus promises to be with you always. He's literally with you right now in the thick of it, in the midst of whatever circumstances you're dealing with in your life. So I want to be a source of hope and encouragement to you today. If you are struggling to make it, even just to the next moment, if you're feeling lonely, text the word HOPE to 877-933-2484.
How many financial conversations are you having with your parents or your grandparents? How many financial conversations are you having with your children or your grandchildren? Are you being absolutely forthright and honest? Do they understand what your plans are and why you have um, made the plans that you've made? Bill English is here. We're talking about succession planning and family businesses, but um, it's it goes beyond that. It goes into um, how each of us and all of us have the difficult conversations that we absolutely must have um, as generations pass away. So, Bill, lead us into how we have these conversations. Well, how we have the conversations is entirely dependent. Uh, the quality of the conversations, I'll say, is entirely dependent upon the senior generation being willing uh, to talk about death, being willing to talk about transition, and having something to transition to that is as meaningful to them as the business. I can't tell you how many business owners I've met uh, who are in their 70s and have no intention of letting go. And their their kids are in their you know 40s and early 50s. And, and the kids are going, you know, when do I get my chance, right? And can, can we talk about succession here? And a lot of the dads are in their mid-70s. One of them that I know is in his early 80s just refuses to let go. And it's because they have nothing to retire to. And their business is their entire identity. And uh, some of these are Christians. And they're... And they're entire identity is not in Jesus, it's in their business. So, you know, you have to have the senior generation being willing to have a quality set of conversations about how do we uh, push this, or not push this, but succeed this business to the second generation, and how do I back out of the way? One person that did it very, very, very well is uh, Ken Larson over at uh, Slumberland, and I think I I think I can do this because he's been public about this. Uh, but Ken has succeeded his business to his kids, and Ken is still uh, very active and very energetic and doing an awful lot. And I know Ken is a friend of Faith Radio, and um, but but Ken is an example of someone who's who's done that very well. The other side of it, uh, Carmen, in terms of the conversation, is that the junior generation has to be willing to hear some things that maybe they don't want to hear. Maybe the business is going to go to one sibling as opposed to all of them or something like that. And so um, these these are difficult conversations. It's usually best if you have a facilitator in the room, whether it's an accountant or a lawyer or somebody uh, like myself at Platinum. It's really helpful to have a facilitator in that process to help guide and facilitate those conversations and maybe give some input that's uh, properly given at the right time. I think the identity conversation is a really important one. We are not yeah. what we do. Um, we, you know, we are who we are in Christ and, and yet there, there are a lot of people who very much over identify with their job, with their vocation. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. When you, in general conversation, if I were to meet you for the first time, probably the normal conversation for me to ask you, Carmen, would be, oh, what do you do? Mm -hmm. Not who are you as a person? Of course, that's a harder and more intimate conversation, right? Uh, and maybe the do conversation leads to the who you are conversation, but still, um, you know, am I a, am I a child of God? a saint that is saved, right? Or am I a CEO or a business owner or 
an attorney or an actuary or, you know, whatever. Are you having a who conversation or are you having a do conversation? That is a good one. That is a good, simple, easy hook for us to um, to to hang our thoughts on today. When you meet a new person or when you're getting to know someone, are you having a who conversation or are you having a do conversation? It'd be great if we could figure out um, how to better have who conversations. Um, who are you versus what do you do? Um, and we are human beings, not human doings. But that is really, really difficult because we are a doing culture. I mean, we just are. Yeah, we well, yeah, we are. And and I would love to see more Christian business owners uh, become a little bit creative in how they uh, succeed their businesses onto the second generation, um, and uh, and pull some wealth out and live at maybe well below what they could live in order to be more generous towards God. In the end, you know, we all lay on the table. Uh, after we uh, pass and we're naked and they're sitting there embalming us mm-hmm. and we take nothing with us. Mm-hmm. And so let's live with this idea that we're going to be generous towards God while we're on this earth because God has been generous with us. Let's live for the treasures that we're storing up in heaven, not try to protect the temporal treasures of whatever we might have here on earth. That's a really good segue to just a reminder that we are all in a family business. I mean, we we have a father in heaven. Um, he has an agenda. Uh, it's unfolding in the context of human history. We're, we're all in the family business of God, um, which means that everyone everywhere is our business as gospel advancing people. The primary product, I suppose, is the gospel. It's the advance of the kingdom. Um, and that's just not how we think in our culture. And so I think that um, helping us think differently about the business that we're in, if our primary if our primary calling is gospel advancement, always in all ways, um, then everything is secondary to that. And we'll fight a whole lot less about the secondary things. Yeah. Yeah. Good words, yeah. Carmen. Very good words. Uh, let's say, okay, let's see. We got uh, people jumping in on the text line. Um, yeah. So, um, what you said made me think it's rarely thought of this clearly. So um, thank you so much for this conversation. So thank you. There you go. Um, appreciate that. Uh, appreciate our actuaries who are out there listening this morning. <laughs> we love you guys. We love you guys. Uh, you know, that, that that came to mind last night. That came to mind this morning, Carmen, because last night um, I, you know, I'm a basketball official. I do high school, but, you know, officiating. And uh, one of the guys I officiated with last night is a Christian and he's also an actuary. So <laughs> Well, there you go. There, uh, he's listening this morning. Maybe not the same one, but there you go. It's possible there, there are two actuaries out there. I mean, you know, it's we're, possible. we're we're such a math show that it seems like we would have a lot of actuaries listening. That's that's what I'm thinking. <clears throat> there you go. For those of you that don't know what an actuary is, text me and I will uh, I will let you in on that. They are the people who figure out how much the insurance company should be charging us based on how long the actuarial tables say we're going to live. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. pretty much who they are and what they do. But but they they have an essential role. So there you go. We do love them. Bill, as always, thank you so much. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And Merry yeah. Christmas to everyone listening. All right. That's Bill English. You can find him at Bibleandbusiness.com. He's got great books. He's got great blog posts. 
um, obviously he's available for you to consult with as well at the Platinum Group. So check that out, bibleandbusiness.com. Our friend Deb Folletta is going to join us here um, just before Christmas because we thought it would be really good to talk about the challenges that single individuals um, face and the the maybe some ideas, maybe some positive ideas for those who are single in terms of making the most of the holidays. So if you're single um, or you know someone who is single, so there you go. I've now covered everybody. Um, this next conversation is really for you. I spent a lot of years as a single person. I didn't marry Jim until after I was 40. So I got a lot of, uh, I have a lot of experience being a single person on Christmas. And it is challenging. Um, even even as a Christian in um, in Christian ministry, like, right, you had to, I had to stay at whatever church, right, I was at through Christmas because you're totally expected to be there on Christmas Eve. But then getting to my family, wherever they were, was a Christmas Day challenge from time to time. So let's be thinking about how we can love on, reach out to, include, embrace single members of the community. And if you are single, we're going to encourage you to get like self-activated. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Are you single? Are you single? Are you an adult who is over 18 and not married? Maybe divorced, maybe widowed, maybe never married. Are you single? You are not alone. 118 million adult Americans, 118 million adult Americans are single. Did you know that? That is more than 46% of the U.S. adult population. That's according to the U.S. Census Bureau. Just think about that for just a moment. So if you imagine that the whole, you know, the whole world is in a coupled or familial relationship, like there's more single people out there than you might imagine. 117.6 million single adults in America. Deb Valletta is joining us and we're going to talk about how single individuals can make the most of the holidays. Deb, good morning. Hi, good morning. It's good to be with you. Thank you so much. I am a little froggy today, but just carry on. Oh, man. I think I think everybody's a little froggy these days. <laughs> so talk with us about um, this reality of being single, particularly during the holidays. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's interesting because we probably live in a time where there are more people who are single than ever before. If you think about we get married later, and then we have such high divorce and separation rates, Um, people live longer. So there are more widows and widowers than ever before. So so this is a reality that that many people are single during this time of year. And I, I really believe that when we look around, the holidays can really amplify the feeling of loneliness, because you look around at what everybody else is doing. You look Mm -hmm. around at the families gathering together. You look around 
and you can easily see what you don't have instead of what you do have and and find yourself struggling. So first and foremost, I think we need to normalize the fact that there are many people who are single this time of year and to normalize the fact that yes, it is a struggle. And and hopefully today we can help unpack how to make it less of a struggle for for those who feel like they're in that situation. I had a friend who made an observation about the nativity. Now, we don't know if any of the shepherds are married, and we don't know if any of the wise men are married. But we certainly don't include their spouses in the creche. So the only couple that is present um, are Joseph and Mary. We could include, I suppose, um, Zachariah and Elizabeth. That would give us a married couple on the scene. But but in the reality, it's a bunch of single people. Right. (laughs) Yeah. When you put it that way, it is a bunch of single people. And, and honestly, we have the opportunity to make the most of the holidays because whether we're single or whether we're struggling in a different area, when the holidays begin to to amplify what we don't have, Mm -hmm. we can either focus on that and zoom in on what we don't have. And, and you know what, that will lead to depression, discontent, isolation, or we can choose to focus on what we do have and be proactive. Um, Sometimes when I'm counseling a client, they'll tell me they're struggling with loneliness and it's so hard and they wish that they weren't lonely. And, you know, I have to, I have to truly empathize and say, this is hard. It is. The feeling of loneliness is hard, but we have to see the feeling of loneliness less less as a curse and more as a signal. If your body is feeling lonely and it is signaling to you that you are lonely, you have to respond to that signal. I think the Mm. worst thing that you can do is ignore the signal and continue to move forward in isolation because your body is clearly telling you it's lonely. It is made for relationships and it needs people. So one thing that I encourage when people are feeling lonely is to do something about it, you know, tap into a community of people that you love. Um, Go visit your grandma who hasn't had a visitor in a week. Uh, Go make some friends Connect with people at church. Join a small group. Invite people over to your house. Plan a holiday gathering, a white elephant Christmas party, whatever whatever it is. Uh, uh, Something simple like a coffee date with a friend. Look at your calendar and plan it out. Don't wait for things to happen. Don't don't live passively. I, I hope somebody calls me. I hope I have something to do. Make it happen. In fact, when I look around, at people who have the healthiest community and the healthiest social life and the healthiest connections, 99% of the time, those are the people who are making it happen. Those are the people that are most proactive in surrounding themselves with people. And so if you're single, you need to map it out. You need to map out your holiday season. Look at at the months of November and December and map it out. What are you going to do? Who are you spending time with? What things are you going to initiate? Who are you going to meet for coffee? Who are you going to meet for lunch? Who are you going to have over for a walk? What are you going to do to respond to the signal of loneliness? 
Talk a little bit about the concept of a signal. Uh, I think that might be um, unfamiliar language to people. Yeah. Um, and so what are what are some of the other signals? So just so that I can, maybe I can better understand the signal of loneliness. What might some other signals be? Well, I'll tell you, as a counselor, I'm always telling people that all of your feelings are signals. <laughs> you know, yeah. oftentimes yeah. people feel sad. They feel anxious. They feel lonely. And so it's a signal. Your body is sending you cues. Your body is sending you signals. That's exactly what a feeling is. It's like, hey, pay attention. Hey, respond. God gave us signals as emotions so that we have an opportunity to respond. The key with these signals that we get, whether it's depression, anxiety, loneliness, is to respond in a healthy way. Because it's not the feeling that's bad or good. The feeling of loneliness is not necessarily bad. The feeling of sadness is not necessarily bad. The feeling of anxiety. It's how you choose to respond to the signal. And think about it. Even Jesus, during his time here on earth, faced all of these signals. And I believe he also felt lonely. Mm -hmm. He knew what it felt like to be alone in a garden with Mm -hmm this huge burden on your shoulder, this, this excruciating pain. And there was nobody there with you. You were all alone in the struggle. He knew what it felt like to ask his friends, hey, I need you, stay awake. And they weren't able to. They weren't able to give him what he needed. And so what did he do? He responded to the signal of loneliness by connecting with the Father more than ever before. He he spent the entire night not sleeping a wink, connecting with the Father. And sometimes the signal of loneliness in us is an opportunity to connect with God, to rely on Him, to strengthen our relationship with Him, to see Him in the, the hard moments. So it's not the feeling that's bad or good. It's how we respond, how we choose to respond to that feeling that'll either lead us down the path of health or lead us down the path of dysfunction. I like um, I like this particular recommendation that you make um, in the Singles Guide to Making the Most of the Holidays. Again, we're talking with Deb Folletta. You can find um, what we're talking about at DebraFoletta.com. Choose to make the holidays about what really matters. It's easy to get caught up in all of the things that don't actually matter. So can you give us a little counsel on how to make it about what actually does matter? Yeah. I mean, the the truth is that the holidays are actually about giving. It's a time of giving. It's a time of connecting. It's a time of resting. You know, resting in what God has done, resting in who God is, resting in what he has given us, and then allowing that to motivate us to give to others. I think sometimes in our culture, let's be honest, it's easy to make the holidays about us and what we're receiving, what we want, what we want to do, who we want to be with. But what if we could take the holidays and actually make them about what we have to offer the people around us. These are some of the greatest opportunities that we have to invest in interactions, to get to know people we may have otherwise not had the chance to do, to, to, to connect with God in church and in worship and in prayer, to visit those who are lonely and in need. 
Um, whenever you feel like you're lonely, know that there's somebody out there who probably feels more lonely than you. Exactly. And so what does it look like to, to, to find people who are in need and take your loneliness and use it as a bomb to help others who are feeling and experiencing the same thing, especially when the solution is found in connecting with one another. And so what if we, we came into the holidays with that attitude, whether we're single or married, but the idea of what is it that I have to offer you, Jesus? What is my gift to you as the Magi brought their gifts what is my gift to you this holiday season? It's funny, isn't it, that it's the birth of Jesus? We're supposed to be giving him presents. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's his birthday. But oftentimes Absolutely. we make it about us rather than what, what do I have to offer him? We're going to continue our conversation with Deborah Folletta here in just a moment. We're going to pivot and we're going to look at 25 holiday activities to love and be loved. I doubt we'll get through all 25, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll send you the link to them at truelovedates.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Listen to Faith Radio live or on demand no matter where you go. Download the free Faith Radio app at your app store today. Continuing our conversation with Deborah Folletta. She's a psychologist. She's the host of True Love Dates. You can find what we're talking about today at truelovedates.com. Um, Deborah, let's wander around in some of these 25 holiday activities to love and be loved. Yeah, you know, a lot of these holiday activities actually come from our own experience here at the Philada household. Um, you know, every every Advent season, one thing that I've done since my kids were really little is create this little um, board where I where I take just basic Christmas cards, just a pack of Christmas cards from the dollar store, and I glue them up to a board. So there's 25 of them. And in each card, I write an activity that we're going to do over the holiday season. And usually the activity has something to do with blessing others, um, connecting with God, or doing something as a family. And, and just to kind of remind us all throughout the 25 days leading up to Christmas of what Christmas is really all about. So some of these activities that we that we're going to talk about come directly from there and and you know whether it's wrapping gifts to deliver to somebody in need uh whether it's something fun that we do as a family like uh we always do a gingerbread man contest or a gingerbread house contest and just kind of sit together as a family one evening and see who can decorate the best or the most creative house um another thing that my kids love to do is volunteer. Um, we go somewhere and volunteer. Um, you can volunteer at a soup kitchen or or a clothing drive or a ministry in need. Um, and another that's made it up to the list of favorites is something super simple that we call pay it forward, where we'll, we'll usually choose a drive-through that we all enjoy. These days it's Chick-fil-A and um, we'll, we'll pay for the person behind us. Like, hey, we want to pay it forward for the person behind us and encourage them to pay it forward as well. And, it, you know, one time it set off a series of paying it forward for a few hours where people were just paying it forward to the, for the next person and the next person. And it's funny because, you know, technically if you're paying it forward, you just paid for somebody else's meal. Somebody else paid for your meal. It's not that you're saving money and or losing money, but it feels amazing to know that somebody cared enough to pay for my meal 
And the reactions of the people that have gone behind us have just been priceless. Um, so, so little things like that all throughout the season that are holiday activities that, that you can use to love people, to, to love the people around you, to love God, and to focus on what this season is really about. Talk with us about um, things like hosting a clothing drive or hosting a prayer vigil or a prayer walk. Like you have so many wonderful ideas um, in here that are um, that, that cost nothing. Like, right, hosting a clothing drive costs me nothing because right. I have I have a ton of things in my closet that I clearly could part with. Right. Yeah. Just last week, my mom uh, hosted a clothing drive where she gathered clothes from people that had extra. I mean, we all have an extra box or bag or garbage bag of things that we don't need. And she, she, she gathered in a, in a church building and brought all the clothing. And then she opened the doors to the local refugees who had just come to America and don't have anything. And it was such a blessing to them and their families. And they were able to connect with them and meet people and, and just genuinely meet a physical need. So literally, you don't have to spend a penny. In fact, all it takes is people being willing to part with things that they no longer wear. And it can be such a blessing to other people. Another another simple thing is to have a prayer walk. Whether you invite neighbors, whether you just invite a friend, um, whether you go for a walk as a family to choose an area where you're just walking around and, and crying out to God as you walk, crying out to God on behalf of your neighborhood, on behalf of your city, on behalf of your family, on behalf of yourself, for those of us who might be in a season of struggle right now. Um, there's no better way than to to just connect with God and ask him to bring healing and hope in the darkness. And and so I, I love prayer walks because they're an intentional way not just to move our souls. They're an intentional way to move our body. And moving our body is such an important part of being a healthy person and taking care of our souls. So you get to you get to do two in one. So we have a friend um, on the text line who says, um, "My sister is, you know, chronically single. That's interesting language. And now yeah. the only of us um, who is unmarried, and it has created a, a an insecurity in her, a great anxiety." Um, she is anxious that she will forever be alone. The holidays are definitely the hardest for her. She has a great relationship with God, and um, and so we always go back to that um, and God's plan for her. But how could I help encourage her this season? Yeah, that's that's a nice, sweet, thoughtful sister there. Because I think oftentimes we don't take into consideration what other people might be feeling and how we can help and encourage them. I think. I think the main thing that you can do to encourage her is to continually point her to the template of God's truth. You know, oftentimes we want to live out of the template of our past, right? The things that have happened up to this day. This has happened. That means it could happen again. This has happened for the past 10 years. That means I could be single for the next 10 we, we want to live out of the template of our past. We want to live out of the template of our trauma, the hard things that we have walked through. But we need people pointing us to the template of God's truth. No, don't live out of your past. Don't live out of your trauma. Don't react and respond based on what you've been through. Have hope. 
that God loves you and cares for you. Have hope that he has a good plan for your life. Have hope that he sees you during this time and that he hasn't forgotten you. Have hope that he will fill your deepest needs. Continue to point her to truth. I think that's the first thing that you can do practically. And the second thing you can do practically, invite her into your life. And I know I'm sure Mm -hmm. you're already doing this as her sister, but for those listening who might have people in their life that are single, don't forget about your single friends, you know, married people, invite your single friends over to your house, invite them to come over and hang out with your family. I think sometimes married people feel insecure, like, well, we don't want them to feel left out. We don't want them to feel like a third wheel. We don't want to remind them of what they don't have. We don't want to, you know, pour salt in their wound. And so we fail to invite, we fail to bring them in. Uh, But I think one of the best things that you can do for the single people in your life is to include them as brothers and sisters in Christ in what you are already doing. Have them over, invite them into your holiday traditions with your kids, invite them over for a meal. Have, hey, we're going to look at Christmas lights tonight. Why don't Mm -hmm. you hop in our minivan? You know, and and believe it or not, they're not going to be offended by that. They're not going to not want to do it. In fact, I think for, for from what I have experienced inviting my single friends into my world, they love it. They love spending time with the kids. They love feeling like they're a part of something and that they're noticed and that they're wanted and that they belong. So encourage her with the truth and then keep inviting her in to everything that you are doing and show her that she belongs. Deb, as always, thank you so very much. Deborah Faleda, you can find her at DebraFaleda.com. TrueLoveDates.com is where I um, connected with these two resources that we talked about today, A Single's Guide to Making the Most of the Holidays and 25 Holiday Activities uh, to Love and Be Loved. But there's a ton of other great stuff um, on the on the site as well. Um, so it is... I don't know. Is it Wednesday? It is Wednesday. The Wednesday before Christmas. It is the 20th, which means tomorrow is going to be the shortest day of the year um, in terms of the light available. But here's the good news. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness will never overcome it. So let's be people who seek out the light today, seek to um, reflect the light of Christ into the world around us. Go be shiny, my friend. Go be shiny. Shine with the light of Christ into the world that he so loves, that other people might turn and take a look and consider who he is, that they might actually consider what the real meaning of Christmas is all about. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.